Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Enrique Sacao, the group CEO of Knipe, who advocates for the financial services industry to embrace simplicity by employing plain language, avoiding unnecessary seriousness, and emphasizing fundamental concepts. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Good afternoon. This is Rachel Trees for Flex and the City. And I'm absolutely delighted today to have Enrique Sacao, who is the group CEO of Knipe. Hola, Enrique. I'm speaking a little bit of Spanish because I know that's your background. I'm delighted to have you on the show. Hola, Rachel. Thank you very much for having me. I am, as you say, Enrique Sacao. I was uh, born in Spain, 44 Years ago, I am currently the CEO of, of Knipe, which is part of Deutsche Börse Group. Knipe is simply an adorable company full of great people, uh, and it provides uh, fan data services to asset managers and distributors. I left Spain, though, 20 years ago in September 2003 uh, for the UK with, with, with a view to doing a PhD in political history, so nothing really related to financial services, oh. asset management, or technology. So you are you are a doctor, Enrique. I am a doctor. I mean, I wouldn't advise you to faint or <laughs> anything. I wouldn't know what to do, but I'm I am a doctor in, in political history. Fantastic. And so you've lived in the United Kingdom, did you say, for over twelve years? So no, it was. I mean, I moved there twenty years ago, and then three years ago I moved to Luxembourg. So I, I suppose I lived full time in the UK seventeen years, and then the last three I've been. 70% in Luxembourg, 30% in, in London. So I'm, I'm still between the two. Fantastic. And, and so when you're thinking linguistically, do you feel more, more Spanish or, or, or more British? I mean, your English is incredible, Enrique. So which, which language do you feel more comfortable in? You are too kind. So it depends on what I talk about. So I have both passports. I've always been a bit of a shameless Anglophile. I think if I'm going to talk about funds data, English is easier. If I'm going to talk about other matters, Spanish might be easy. But I feel very comfortable in both cultures, which are, interestingly, I think, more similar than they seem. Absolutely. And, and, and so tell me, I'm curious about political history. We've got a lot going on geopolitically as we sit here today, in fact, even even yesterday it was the Luxembourg elections, but we've got other things going on on our planet. So, as a political historian, Enrique, tell me a little bit about what your views are on, on what's going on from outside the jar. Right. I mean, so it's so long ago since I did my studies that I feel painfully underqualified to have an opinion. But more as a citizen, I think we forget that it used to be worse than now because we read the news and we watch television and all they talk about is awful. And then books sell when the title of it is perma-crisis and things like that. We forget that there were fewer democracies than now in the 1980s, that the nuclear threat was bigger in the 1980s, that um, poverty was worse in the 1980s, that you know countries that are now uh, incredib incredibly, increasingly rather prosperous, like India or China, were really having famines in the in the 1980s and 70s. So whilst it doesn't look good, if we look back, it really was worse. The world has made a lot of steady progress on the back of good old liberal democracy. So mm -hmm. I'm an optimist to your question. 
I love that. I, I, and I could tell when I, when I met you earlier this year that you're an optimist. So, <laughs> so tell, as, as this wonderful optimist, Enrique, what really motivates you? I mean, you're working at this amazing company, Knight. What, what are your core values? What's the purpose underpinning what gets you out of bed in, in a morning? So what, well, a number of questions there. I think, I mean, what motivates me the most is to leaving something in a better state than I found it. So I have, I don't know whether you follow this Netflix program with Marie Kondo, who goes into the oh, yes. houses of <laughs> middle-class people and, 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 and ties them up for them. It's something I like. I like the idea of going into a room and coming out of it and leaving it in better shape. And that really gets me out of bed. I was in a, and, and what it does to me. So a week ago, if I may give you an example, I had a conversation with a client uh, it was about a very complex matter. And at the end of the conversation, I at the risk of marking my own homework, Rachel, there, but I came out to the call, I hung up and I said, I wouldn't have been able to conduct this call two years ago. And that got me out of bed for a number of days afterwards. The, the feeling that I had learned something over the last couple of years that allowed me to have conversations that I couldn't have before. I know it sounds very basic, but it's, it, it, it's what, it does, what, what does it for me, really. Absolutely. So you're the Marie Kondo of financial services. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 I'm going to leave it to my colleagues and clients to say, but I, I would love to be. And so I'm sure, you know, in the technology world, you're working with a lot of young people, young talent. What kind of skills do you think are needed by young people who are entering this, this industry um, now, Enrique? Well, I think increasingly it's all about flexibility because the world changes more quickly mm. than it's ever done before on the back of you know technology and communications things that took days to find out 20 years ago are now happening overnight and and i think being flexible is is enormously 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 important possibly the most the most important thing um, i i would advise them to 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 work very hard and i would advise them not to take themselves too seriously and also to be in light kind of linked to not taking themselves too seriously to to be reminded that financial services pays very well relative to mm. other professions so when they feel down when it's unfair i wasn't given this incentive or this promotion or i'm unhappy about this client which is yelling at me think about the nurses and think about the teachers who deal with much more uh, life or death uh, problems, and, and they do it for a fraction of uh, the money people make, the junior people make in financial services. So I would encourage them not to take themselves too seriously and to, you know, work hard, stay flexible, and get on with it. Very good advice. And and so so your, your mention around nurses and doctors leads me to recognise that, that you're involved in some charities related to, to healthcare. So tell, tell me a little bit about that and, and what motivated you to do that, Enrique? I have been. Uh, so this was uh, around the COVID uh, mm. pandemic. I was in the UK because I moved to Luxembourg in the summer of 2020. But th there was a, a, a very poignant image of a nurse um, in, in tears in, a, in, the, in the car park of a supermarket saying, I work 16 hours a day. And when I go to the supermarket, there isn't anything to buy anymore. So a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, the father of my goddaughter, rallied a group of people to create the Health Workers Support Foundation. And uh, in very simple terms, we fundraised and coordinated the logistical effort to get 
um, to uh, help workers in the UK box of fruit and vegetables um, during the pandemic. And then, of course, we wound it up because this was no longer needed. We were pleased, you know, to, 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 to close out this charity. Fantastic. Going back to COVID, we don't want to sort of lurk there. But again, as, a, as a somebody who understands geo geopolitics and you know what's going on in the world, what do you think businesses can learn from that particular period in our history? Well, it's a it's a tricky question and, and one that whatever I say will be disliked by half the people listening to this. I am surprised, if I may, as a, as a learning by how quickly people let the freedoms go. I'm not saying whether it was right or wrong, but all of a sudden the unthinkable happened, which is to be told by the authorities that we needed to stay at home and how people complied. I think we should all keep it in mind for next time we're told to stay at home um, and to understand the reasons behind that. What, what This time it was for the greater good, and, and of course, there are inquiries going on to, to make sure that, that, that the, the response was proportional. But, but then you see how people in the past have followed authorities, not for the greater good, but for the greater evil. And I was amazed to see how, you know, we just did it. You know, there wasn't much debate. People just stayed at home. People stopped traveling. People did things that a month before the COVID crisis would have been crazy. So I have reflected a lot upon that. And, and I hope my fellow citizens have also thought about how the brains work during that crisis. Yeah, the brains are fa fascinating topic, and and uh, you know our brains are constantly in transformation. So, talking about transformation, because we've touched on that uh, a bit already. If you had um, a magic wand, and you could transform the financial services industry in, into something, what what do you think would be the main thing that you'd, you'd wish to change to make it a better industry, Enrico? Transformation is a word I use seldom because I believe more in gradual change. And in fact, I have this joke with my colleagues at Canide that if anybody uses the word transformation, they should pay a small fine into the, <laughs> into the, the charity yeah. box by the reception desk. And I had to pay it last week, incidentally, because I did use the word transformation. Somebody called me out. I think the change that I would like to see is one, I mean, I link it to what I said earlier about people taking themselves a bit less seriously and reminding themselves that we're not the masters of the universe. But I think if we could keep it more simple, we explain what we do more simply. I would like to see that change and I would definitely use Amadio One for that. And if we kept focusing on fundamentals. So we can do all the complex things, but ultimately this is about making the market safer. It's about making sure that people have savings when they retire. It's about helping the world move capital, which is essential for investment and for, and to, I'm going to use the word transformation and to transform the world for the better. And also in line with what I said earlier, being an optimist, Kind of financial services has contributed enormously to making the world a better place, more prosperous place. And we need to continue doing those things, but focusing on the fundamentals, on the simple, difficult things to do. I love your articulation of that word, simple. And in fact, Henker, the organization that I work for, the word Henker means that incremental change. So it has a slightly yep. different meaning from transformation. So it's interesting you say that. So keeping things simple, I love that. 
If you were to explain to my mother, who lives in the north of England, what <laughs> snipe does, and you were to keep it really simple, maybe a metaphor, what would you say to her? With great pleasure. I'm sure your mother in the north of England has a bank account and has saved for her yeah. retirement. And, and these products were sold to her by some financial advisor or by, by, by a person at the bank branch or something like that. What your mother may or may not know is that her savings are invested in products. So for those uh, products to be sold to her, many things have to happen, but there are three that Knaip does. So one is that the people selling her the products need, need to know the price of the retirement and savings products that your mother buys. And can I make sure that make sure that that information gets to the right people? The second one is that regulators need to know what your mother has bought. So can I does the filing with regulators of that information? Okay. And then there are a number of documents which we call disclosures that need to be produced for products to be sold to your mother. And can I produces those documents? Uh, so those are the three things that we do that actually impact the way your mother saves, and we make sure that that that, that, that things are done safely and in a compliant manner. Was it clear enough? That was beautiful. I think my mother would be very proud of you. You're too kind. <laughs> so, you know, in your career, and that, that, and that includes, you know, working and studying at Oxford University, has there been anybody either, you know, somebody you, you've met that's really in, inspired you or even somebody on the global stage that's inspired you with their leadership style and, and the way in which they show up energetically? Is there anyone that you could share with us? There is a very long list. So if there is something I've been very lucky with is mentors and and people I look up to. So I'm going to give you a, a number if you allow me. As in overall, I think the, 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 a leader... I massively have always looked up to, and this is a political historian also at work, is, is Mandela, um, who I think was uh, incredible, not just what he did, but also how he moved on, how he forgave, how he turned the page. I think in financial services, more controversially, there is a chap called Michael Berry, who is played by uh, played in the in the Big Short, who's the the, the, the man who called the property bubble in the before the financial crisis, and and he mm -hmm. did so by uh is played by christian bale in, in the big shoot um mm -hmm. by sticking to to fundamentals really saying look it doesn't make sense it's not simple enough you're selling me something that you know doesn't stand up to scrutiny and therefore it must be wrong so you know when you have that conviction and, and something looks too good to be true kind of making sure that that, that you call it out recently i'm going to give you three more if you if you have the patience uh rachel uh, recently in Luxembourg, I was enormously inspired by my now very dear friends, Bob Knaip and Hugues Delcour. Bob Knaip was, of course, the founder of Knaip, founded it 30 years ago. Yeah. And Hugues Delcour was the chairman. And we worked together like I've never worked with anybody uh, till that point. We kept it simple. We kept it. We focused on the fundamentals and we were extremely open with each other. So I learned an enormous amount from them. But the, the, the key one I'm going to mention is not somebody... Um, who was my manager or somebody in the global stage. But a colleague of mine tonight, the, the, there is this, the, the CEO of the company is a, is a young lady called Camilla Kokotza, who uh, on my first month at Knight came into my office and told me everything that didn't work. And uh, then she told me how to fix it. 
So she got promoted on the spot and then again and again and again and again over the last three years. And she is now the biggest employer at Canal. She has the whole operations department. Uh, and it's when you see somebody from your ranks, you know, so bright, so determined, so constructive. I have found her enormously inspiring and I'm, I'm happy to give that a shout. Fantastic. That's a real culture of uh, culture of agency. So with your own um, leadership style, what do you think are the traits that have brought you your own su- success, Enrique? I think you'll have to ask my colleagues again and my, <laughs> well, my clients. I, I, I think you have to, of course, lead by example. And the example has to be on working hard and having a strong moral compass. I think these two things are Essential. And then another one, which I think I, I another value that I leave is that I'm very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, when you read employee service in companies, one of the things employees dislike the most is when you're volatile, when you change your mind without telling them that you change your mind and you pretend that you haven't changed your mind. So I think the idea that they, there is only one version of you that they see the same every day that when you say you're going to do something, you're going to try to do it. Sometimes you fail at doing the things you say you're going to do. But yeah, I would keep it to, to that. Yeah, the, the, the lead by example, strong moral compass, and be very consistent. And of course, I will uh, add one, which is don't take yourself too seriously. Remember that when we are doing what we do, there are nurses that are looking after our elderly grandparents. And, 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 and those people have it harder than us. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Enrique, couldn't agree more. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to take you outside of financial services. Um, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll I'll not preempt it. Outside of financial services, is there something that you absolutely love doing when you're not um, running running this amazing company? I mean, there are a number of things I like. I like food, I like the arts, I like reading novels, history books. I dislike sport with a vengeance, so I, I, I do as little as I can. Uh, but if there is one thing I, I really love is opera, I go to the opera everywhere. I married an opera historian, and we just go to shows. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the single thing I enjoy the most. I, I like going to, to the opera. I like the trip to the theater. I like the dinner afterwards. Um, but I do like the, the drama and the, the stories and, of course, the music. Yeah, and which is your favourite op- opera, Enrique? I'm curious. Well, that's an impossible question to answer. Oh, okay. um, but if I absolutely must, uh, you know, gun to my head, I would say Richard Strauss's Electra, which tells a story of family strife in a very raw way. And I like it very much. And so, so my final question for today on this great podcast what do you think the financial services industry could learn from Electra? Oh, gosh. From Electra specifically. I wish I'd not said Electra. <laughs> because if you know what you do, you will... No, 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 no. no. I'm going I'm to stick with this one. Uh, as you've given me a bit of a challenge there, Rachel. As we keep it simple, which I say, and as we, we, we need a strong sense of narrative. So we need to know what we are doing and why. You know, you need to be able to explain things simply. And Electra is an opera with a very simple plot that is incredibly fast-paced. It's one hour and 40 minutes, no interval, boom. You know, it's not one of these shows that you go in and you're there for five hours. And what we need to understand from the opera is that the characters, whilst they have very good reason to do what they do, all of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly, are incredibly irrational. And 
sometimes at work in financial services anywhere we think we are engaging with rational people rational facts things that you can explain logically and you need sometimes to just be more human realize that you're dealing with humans that humans are not always rational that that doesn't make them worse but that you need to engage with them in whatever way they are operating whether rational irrational or a combination of the two that was a bit of a pedantic answer i've given you but i hope it drives you to kind of go on youtube and watch uh, electra uh, as soon as we're done with this interview it most certainly does enrique i think that was a beautiful <laughs> answer and i just want to thank you muchas gracias for this fantastic uh, podcast this afternoon thank you enrique sakao who is the group ceo of knight thank you so much thank you you just listen to flex in the city catch us on our next episode